the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. This is another briefcast. It's where I come to you solo without any of the special teams unit with me. Special teams unit being the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, my brother Biscuit, and or former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson. Usually those uh, that one or two of those guys are with me when we do full-fledged episodes. And if you hadn't had a chance to go and check out a full-fledged episode, I certainly recommend that you do so. So you can get all of the bells and whistles. And, you know, I like doing it. I love doing the full-fledged episodes. But I also like coming to you guys, and you seem to be responding to the briefcast where I can come to you guys easily, just me solo, and uh, get something up and give you some content and comment on things so I don't have to wait between, you know, a week or a six days, five days between an opportunity to talk about them. And I know I have people who listen to both the Houston show and the podcast, but I have some of those who don't listen to the Houston show, you know, so they don't get a chance to to hear me on a weekly basis if I don't get material up. So I wanted to make sure I came to you guys. A lot of, I mean, just a lot happening throughout, and I want to jump in on a number of those things. First and foremost, I want to thank you guys for listening and telling friends, family, liking, commenting. I really appreciate the comments. I read them all, and uh, I appreciate them. I got some comments about the Robert Kraft thing, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll may touch on that at the end. But I wanted to talk about Cardi B at the beginning. Now. You know, Ken, I have, over the course of the podcast, Cardi B's name has come up. And I think I've clearly stated how I feel about aspects of uh, what her message seems to be. Uh, but I looked at it, and if you're not familiar with Houston, we have um, uh, we have a huge thing. First of all, we don't have a dirt road downtown. And, and I know most people know. I mean, we're an international city. I think most people get it. Uh, but I think people uh, easily associate cowboy hats and horses with the city, and that's fine. I don't care. I mean, we're Space City. We're the Bayou City. We're all of those things. We're Clutch City. We're, there's so many names for the city, so that's that's fine. But one of our big marquee civic events is the uh, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo that comes for three weeks every year. It's a big, big deal. And if you happen to be in Houston during the rodeo, I suggest you go out. Now, I hadn't been to a rodeo performance in a while, but I have gone over the last couple of years, maybe not last year, two or three years ago, I did go out to the livestock show and the carnival and it's cool. It's like a, like, it's like the state fair. I mean, I went to the state fair, uh, because Texas Southern played in the state fair classic. I had a chance to do that and uh, call the game from the cotton bowl, which was a thrill because, hey, I'm kind of a, a football nerd and to call a game, from the historic Cotton Bowl was a big, big deal. But then to go out at the for the fair that was on the adjacent grounds, were that was pretty cool. So, I mean, really the livestock show is a lot like that with vendors and all kind of fried foods. And in the rodeo itself, they have the, an actual rodeo competition. Maybe you've seen like professional bull riding on television where they actually have contests and mutton busting with the kids. It's a cool little deal. It's you know I like the little pig races at the at the livestock show and rodeo uh, on the you know I saw they have cool things. So anyway, they have the rodeo 
and then uh, the people were like big time performers come out and, and you name it. The the biggest names ever have performed there. And what they do is they do the rodeo and then they roll out the performer on this huge stage. And so like the Michael Jackson, well, not him individually, but the Jacksons have performed there. So he's been there. Elvis has been there. You name every country act has been there. Uh, just some really huge names. Gladys Knight has been there. Bruno Mars. I think uh, Selena. I mean, people, if you know who Selena is and you see the iconic image of her in this, I guess, this studded bustier or whatever, that was at the Livestock Show on Rodeo. So anyway, it's a big, big deal because performers can come in and perform again uh, in front of 70,000 people, a, a stadium. And so Cardi B came to perform and they have the news crews out and they're interviewing these people. And I kept seeing these adults with these little bitty children, like these preteens. And, and then I saw this story on, on Twitter where uh, the lady surprised her like 12 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old daughter with Cardi B tickets. And I'm like, do, do you all know who in the hell this is? Do you know who she is? Do you know what she does? Do you understand some of the messages in her music? And I'm like, have you seen her Instagram? And I'm just amazed at the fact that people are buying tickets to see Cardi B. Now, I'm not knocking her hustle, and I like the caricatures and the character that she created for herself, and she's totally unique, and I'm, hey, man, good for her. But again, she makes no secret of what her morality is. You know, I, I know, I don't know. I, I'm, it just trips me out. It would be like my mother buying me like two short tickets when I was in the fifth grade. It, it, it wasn't going to happen. You know, baby, you know, I had those two live crew tickets for you. I mean, it's, it's insane. She almost openly advocates for uh, performing and doing things for money. And, and obviously, you know, everybody knows she was a stripper. And again, for an adult, you know, and I had this discussion with the Silver Fox and, and other people. And they're like, well, if that's what they're hearing in their homes, maybe. And I wondered, now, I wondered did they tone down her lyrics. Now, I asked one person, they said, yeah, they did, or they tried to. And I asked someone else, and they said, no, they, they didn't. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just getting old, but I mean, in no way, you know, and I haven't brought up my imaginary children in a while. Hadn't talked about my imaginary daughter in many, many episodes, but I tell you what, ain't no way in hell I'm buying my preteen imaginary daughter tickets to see no damn Cardi B. I mean, listen to what she says. And again, I remember saying this, and I kind of stand by this. I know her popularity has blossomed, and she's expanded and cleaned herself. I mean, cleaned herself up and polished her image and and all those good things. So good for her. Um, But I do remember saying that if she had come out back in the day, I think people would have been like, oh, oh, they're letting everybody rap. Now let's clap for her. Yay. Because, I mean, she sounds like, she sounds unique. I mean, she's gotten better. Don't get me wrong. But initially, I'm like, what in the world? Is is this real? But I think people, maybe they don't know the lyrics. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that a lot of these parents don't know what she says before they buy tickets to see her and uh, understand that there's a very adult theme to what she does. Now, people may criticize me for that, but I don't give a damn. You know, they, 
My mama would not buy me Richard Pryor tickets. Hey, baby, I'm going. I'm gonna take you to go see Dolomite. Now I'm dating myself when I say that, or Richard Pryor. But it's like, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go buy. My mother's gonna take me to the Two Show concert. That's not. No, that's not what was that. We didn't do that. And, and and I guess if that's where we are now, it explains a whole lot. But let's shift gears, get off the entertainment stuff because clearly I am. I'm very opinionated about that entire situation but a lot going on and it looks like the texans are going to franchise jadavion Clowney. and i talked a little bit about this on saturday finding myself defending jadavion Clowney, not only his performance on the field which stands for itself i mean last three years uh six fours form fumbles 18 and a half sacks he's a three-time pro bowler and the misconception is that he misses a lot of action well he started 44 of the last 48 games the Texans have played over the last three seasons. So, you know, and in that time, he has had 37 uh, tackles for losses, a couple of touchdowns. You can throw in a couple TDs in that situation. So I am, I've always been excited about him. Of course, he got off to the slow start because of injuries. But the other thing that concerned me was that, you know, it was a thing about these code words that I was really leery of. And where they talked about, you know, work ethic or working hard or is he a hard worker, maximum effort. And you have to really kind of uh, kind of watch that when you when you sort of classify him in that way and, and sort of make him the anti J.J. Watt. Because I think J.J. Watt has done a really good job of convincing people that he works harder than anybody in the history of the NFL and, and how he just wants it more. He just lived, lives, breathes, and eats football. And I'm like, yeah, that's a cool image and that's a great image, but you're not the only one. Let me, let me tell you this. Jadavion Clowney was not birthed into the NFL. He had to work very hard to get there. And I know that uh, Steve Spurrier kind of made an off-the-cuff remark that has kind of haunted him. But look at him. He's not, he's not overweight. He's not out of shape. He does his thing. And I think that the Texans should give him a long-term deal. Now, he may make a decision to – I don't know. I don't know if he's he's not going to hold out. Nobody's going to do a Le'Veon Bell. But I'm sure he won't be happy to be franchised. It looks like that's what's going to happen. Um, but I, And they said they'll continue to work on a long-term deal. But I just – you have to listen to the words that come out of the mouths of those with the Texans organization because, like I said, J.J. Wilder had you thinking, uh, you know, have you seen a video of him doing a montage like he's on the beach in Rocky Three? You know, uh, he's not the only one. These guys work hard. And Clowney, I'm telling you, man, he has some great football ahead of him. Now, if he has to play for the franchise tag, hey – Good for the Texans. I don't know. The, you know, I guess that'll mean he'll have to, you know, bet on himself. And I know that, he, you know, all those guys want a long-term deal. And he's the kind of guy, yeah, you would like to lock down because they have other holes on that defense that they have to address. And other, I mean, Kareem Jackson, what are you going to do there? Uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, you know, what are you going to do there? You got you have some some issues, some some things that you need to deal with that on the Texans' defensive side of football for sure. So we'll see how that plays itself out. But I just don't like Javion uh, getting kind of a a bad rap. And I get I really sort of watch closely some of the buzzwords that are used to describe you know him and his work ethic, and it's, that's not cool. So the other thing I want to comment, I didn't comment as much on I think we did comment 
on this a little bit on the Saturday show here in Houston. But Bryce Harper signing a 13-year deal for $330 million. Wrap your head around that because to me it's all monopoly money when the numbers get that high. But Bryce Harper, he passed up a 10-year deal for $300 million to stay with the Nets, the Washington Nationals. So after sort of a protracted free agency period, which it took Machado, Manny Machado, and and a number of other guys uh, longer than expected. Dallas Keuchel still is unsigned. Took guys forever to get signed. And then, you know, the word collusion was thrown around, and these guys didn't want to – the owners are deciding that they don't want to pay guys. Well, you know, Machado got his deal, and now Bryce Harper, 13 years for $330 million. He He's working those last three years for $10 million a year over what the Nationals offered him. And, you know, it's unbelievable that anybody would sign anyone to a 13-year deal. Bryce Harper's 26. But still, you look at this situation, I know everybody, I know if you're the player, you think, okay, $13, million, 13 years, $330 million, I'm set for life. But I think this is a bad deal all the way around. I'm all for planning. But this is not good for baseball. It's not good for the Phillies. And it's not good for Bryce himself. Now, see, I admit I'm a half-empty guy. But there are too many variables that can go wrong in the span of 13 years. This is more than a decade. Now, you see, what Bryce has done is he signed this deal in Philadelphia. And let's talk about that for a second. Philadelphia will never be mistaken for Mayberry or any other city where you greet your neighbor and the home team, the hometown players are your guys. I mean, truly your guys win, lose, or draw. Uh, you know, this can take a, a turn way bad, way wrong for a long time. Like it or not, he's the face of an era. So if this doesn't go well, and again, you have to have other moving parts to come. One player in baseball, it's not like a LeBron deal, and we see what's happening with LeBron with the Lakers, but it's not a deal where one guy or two guys can come turn around. You have to have a great pitching staff. You have to have guys up and down the lineup to support you. There's too many things that can go wrong in a situation like this. And like I said, he's the face of an era to be – responsible and be the money man, the the face of the franchise for 13 years, it can only end poorly in this situation. Look, this is a city that booed Santa Claus. We know that infamously uh, booed Santa Claus. They're not a, it's not a very forgiving or friendly town. There are only a few guys that I think Philadelphia continually loves. Other than that, everybody else catches hell in Philadelphia. But, um, you know, when Michael Irvin got hurt and ended his career, uh, they cheered for him. I mean, that was an opposing play, but still, I mean, this, this is not this is not congeniality town. This is not uh, somewhere where you just say, "Hey, well, hey, he, he and his family can settle in, and it's going to be great." I think he made a huge mistake, and I think it's my prediction, especially because it's Philadelphia, that this will not end well. Next up, we want to talk about the shop. I don't know if you've seen this show. This is the LeBron James show on HBO. And if you've never seen it, it's where uh, LeBron and Maverick Carter and various celebrities sit around the barbershop and, and, and shoot uh, ish. You know what I mean? They, they chop it up and it's really, it can be quite candid and you get answers that you wouldn't get if I'd interviewed a lot of those guys or maybe, well, maybe me, maybe I can get those guys open up, but they have a conversation with one another and they, it's it's clearly edited really, really well. 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see the guys in that setting. But let me start by saying this. I love the concept, and despite my continuous criticism of LeBron throughout the years, I have nothing, for, uh, nothing but admiration for what LeBron is doing and breaking barriers in ways that pro athletes have never been able to and in most cases uh, have never even thought about. I mean, this generation has the luxury where they can sort of uh, the money's so big now that they can do things that was they were never thought about before, never conceivable before, or only conceivable by uh, the Michael Jordans of the world, the very, very, very elite. And and LeBron is doing his thing. He he's a tremendously savvy businessman, and he and his team are like visionaries. They're going to be media moguls. He's already uh, doing a lot of stuff on the entertainment side. I know that he he is part owner of Blaze and a number of other chains and businesses. The guy is he's a genius, man. He he's doing his thing, and I think it's going to be truly amazing to see what they'll do in the future, including owning franchises. You know, multiple. I'm, I use plural on purpose. I mean, this guy. He's gonna if things go well, he's gonna really do some things because they really have thought this thing out. And I've I have admiration for uh, what he's done with his boys and bringing his guys along. Things have been good all the way around. Now, all of those things being said, I still think he can be extra, and I think he can be whiny, and I think he can too easily play uh, some variation of a victim. And it was evident in the last episode of the show, which aired on Friday. Now, in the last episode of The Shop, it featured Jamie Foxx, Gerard Carmichael, who's a comic, and uh, Meek Mill, 2 Chains was in it, Antonio Brown, and Anthony Davis. Now, there are a couple, th- couple things about the show I want to talk about. Let's start with Antonio Brown. Because before he did what well, I, I saw the shop, in addition to the, doing the shop, I saw an interview he did, on an extended interview he did on ESPN. And he talked about how disgruntled he was and what he's upset about. He's on his way out. And, and I'm probably in the next couple of weeks he'll be out of Pittsburgh. And he was on the shop. The gist of the interview that he did on ESPN and some of the stuff that he said on the shop was that he wasn't valued or appreciated in Pittsburgh. And he was just really all in his feelings. And, he, you know, his feelings were hurt by everybody from Ben Roethlisberger to uh, the Rooney family that owns the team and everybody in between. He said that Big Ben always called him his guy. But he had only been to his house once, and he'd only been to Ben's house once, and they never worked out in the offseason. And that the Roonies, you know, despite being this this high-caliber player, they didn't even know his girlfriend's name. And, and to that, I said, like, WTF, man, what are you talking about? Are you th- Is this what this is about? You are, uh, Your feelings are hurt? I mean, look, man, this is your job. This is your gig. All of this stuff, this is not about your money. This is not about your playing time. Uh, none of the checks bounce from the Roonies. And Big Ben doesn't owe you any money, as far as we can tell. He he just won't play with you in the offseason. And this is your problem? Because he won't play with you in the offseason? Because he won't kill, come to the crib and do whatever it is you do? And and, and and Netflix and chill with you and your girl or whatever? I mean, what what is this really about? Now, I mean, I know he has some valid points. Some of the stuff that he says, I understand. When he talked about Big Ben trying to throw him under the bus publicly and not being accountable for his own miscues, including that interception in the end zone, which was clear. 
clearly. It, this had nothing to do with, with Antonio. This was all about Big Ben making some bad decisions. And, and it's also about Kevin Colbert, the general manager's comments about Big Ben uh, having uh, 52 kids under him. And, you know, calling all these grown-ass men kids, that's not a good look. Now, I know the comments weren't meant to be literal, and I think A.B. understands that. But it does speak to uh, the double standard that exists and the seeming uh, lack of respect for the players other than Big Ben and this hierarchy is created. But, I mean, let's even put that in perspective. Because, look, take a look at the Patriots. The one untouchable guy in this whole era on that team has been Tom Brady. Look how at year after year how the Patriots let guys walk because they don't want to pay him. From Ty Law to Richard Seymour to countless other players, they let go and they wouldn't sign. Honestly, the only guy that's never had a problem getting his money is Tom Brady. And they try to make a big deal because, oh, he reworked his contract. Nah, all he's doing is deferring and getting more of that money guaranteed. So, no, he's not making any huge sacrifices when he does those things. He just, you know, just moves some money around so you can add a player too. But he's the only guy. Look at uh, Seattle. When Richard Sherman t- had a problem with how close Russell Wilson was to the coaching staff, and you know he was a management guy. Look at Donovan. Go back to Donovan McNabb, where he became a divisive figure uh, in the T.O. saga, and you know, and and really played a role in in what players he chose to advocate for and and advocate and and not advocate for when it came to them getting their money. And then I remember a story even back further than that, Warren Moon. When he, I, I heard this. Now I didn't see. I wasn't there at practice for this, but I heard that he had threatened a, a very um, visible, very well known player, and told him that look, hey, he was gonna get him cut or traded if he said one more damn thing to him. So, you know, the thing with the quarterback being close to management, that's kind of a, a universal thing. So even Antonio's beef with that is a little bit overblown. The bottom line is, get out of your feelings, man. Th- this is. Your job. And, and I, I could have rolled with Antonio, and I did roll, and I wanted this thing to be fixed and worked out because I like those two together, and I like Antonio on that team, and I like him as a player. But all of this changes when you don't show up for work. This is your job. Week 17, you didn't show up. Now, you know, football is year-round, but, you know, in reality – We need you for those 17 weeks, plus the playoffs. So we need you there. That's when we need you. And you can bitch and moan and cry and complain all you want, but just show up. And when you didn't show up to your job, your job, where you get paid, and and this is how the detachment from the real world happens. And then, you know, that's when the tide turned. It didn't turn because you spoke out against Big Ben. It, It changed because you didn't show up for your job. Now he and LeBron and Anthony Davis feel like the narrative has changed just because they've changed their minds. Anthony Davis, what you know, and LeBron says this, well, for seven seasons, for you know, nobody said a bad word about you. Not a player, not the media. But the minute you wake up and want to do your own thing, the, everybody has a problem. No, he did his own thing, and he has a year and a half left on his contract and said he didn't want to fulfill that. So he did what he wanted. He signed the deal. Now he wants to go to L.A. in the middle of a contract. Now they have to limit his minutes and the entire franchise is in limbo behind Anthony Davis. It's amazing to me how these guys can turn and play the victim. Now, again, I know all of these pro sports 
this is a, a dirty cutthroat game from top to bottom. I get it. And, and I doubt that not. Uh, and I've seen it up close. I've seen friends of mine get the shaft when it comes to making money and hitting incentives and forcing guys to play or really strongly encouraging guys to play when they need to have season ending surgery and then cutting the guy after the season. I mean, I've seen a lot of dirty, dirty stuff that these franchises do. I get it. So I, but in this situation with this Anthony Davis and Antonio Brown, no, no, don't ride the coattails of real victims with this bull because at the end of the day, Hey, look, Antonio, that's a conversation you need to have man to man. You not showing up for work in week 17 during a playoff run. Now they win the game anyway, and then they still miss out on the playoffs. That doesn't make you a victim. Now you deal with being and whoever else you got to deal with, and you didn't do that adequately or couldn't get it done adequately. So, yeah, it's time to move on. But you should have shut up. Stop looking like a Dr. Seuss character with blue hair and a blonde mustache. And, and go do your job. Handle your business and make your money, man. And that's all I'm saying about a lot of these guys. And then, Davis, you're not a victim. You've been treated well, paid well by New Orleans. So now you got a problem because, uh, you know, you want to get out of here the moment you want to get out of here. And they didn't trade you when exactly when and where you wanted to go. Dude, you signed the contract. Guess what? When you're a free agent, you can go anywhere you want to go. He wasn't thinking about L.A. before LeBron went out there. So now LeBron and his team, Rich Paul and those guys are out there. And I know that Magic Johnson must be going crazy. But in any case, you have a situation where things are falling apart in L.A., but they tried to force your hand. or you I guess you tried to force New Orleans' hands so you could think have this Hollywood ending and you could go out to L.A. I hope they don't trade you to L.A. You sign a deal, man. And I know that contracts get broken all the time. So, like I said, I know how one way it is. And business is business. And you can put all the pressure you want on them, but don't come out and act like, oh, woe is me. Man, you're making a ton of money. You had a whole city rooting for you, and now your feelings are hurt because people want to boo you because you want to leave with this year and next year remaining on your contract. So it's not like because you want to do what you want to do. No, you do what you said you were going to do, then you can go do what you want to do. Now, we'll see how that plays out. But that's uh, about all for this briefcast. I want to thank you guys for the comments. Need those comments, appreciate those comments, enjoy those comments. I know that there was a comment about the Robert Kraft thing. And again, the Robert Kraft situation is very, it's a very complicated one. And then on the other hand, it's kind of simple. It depends on on the layers of this story. Essentially, it, it, the only way I could see him losing ownership is if he knew or actively was a part of the trafficking. And we've talked about how, what a big deal that is. And that has to be dealt with. And But uh, when you talk about owners who are used to doing just about, if you're a billionaire in America, you can get away with just about what you want to. And we've seen pictures and photos and we've heard all kinds of stories and arrests of on other NFL owners. And these guys are not going to throw one of their own under the bus for misbehaving because they all misbehave. So what the league will do is what they always do. He'll pay a fine. They'll do some image control stuff, like I mentioned before. And Kraft will do, or at least the Patriots or somebody will do uh, some PSAs on sex trafficking and, and all of those things. But 
they're not going to make him sell his team. Because, again, now th- you, you you say you look at, like, Donald Sterling and you look at some of the other owners who had miscon- you know, had some sort of misconduct and, and had to sell the team, like Richardson in uh, Carolina. Anything that's going to cost you some money, the league some money, or hurt the image to the point where it's going to cost the league a whole lot of money – Again, that goes back to uh, something caught on camera and something not caught on camera, or, or something like uh, Ray Rice versus Colin Kaepernick, or or I'll use Greg Hardy, somebody that, you know has gotten in trouble with a domestic violence sort of situation versus somebody like Colin Kaepernick, who shakes up the entire league by making a statement and angering people who who don't like him anyway and don't want the players to have an opinion about anything. The bottom line is this. This charge is not going to cost the league any money. That there'll be some protests, and in the NFL, they deal with protests all the time. We've seen it with the Colin Kaepernick situation, and, and we see it with the the Native Americans protesting against the Redskins, and countless other things. A lot of protests against the NFL, and it doesn't stick. And I don't think this one will stick either. It's only when the NFL loses money that they think about morality or anything about changing the way they do business. So uh, with that in mind, keep the comments coming. Go back and listen to other episodes. If you get an opportunity, uh, we'll have some full-fledged episodes coming up soon. I promise you we're we're working on some things. But I I do like this way of coming to you guys throughout um, because I can come to you again tomorrow. And we can do it again. But show me. I need to know that you guys will come back and listen. If you want to check in every day, we can have some content just about every day. So let me know. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, or like and subscribe to Sports Talk with Devin Wade a page or group on Facebook and just communicate with me. I want to hear from you guys. I'm got, I think I'm going to have a line for you guys to call and leave some comments. I'm going to work on that as well. So uh, a lot we're going to do, but I can't do it without your support. And I appreciate the love and support that you guys have given so far and all the uh, word of mouth. And this thing is spreading like wildfire because of you guys. And I want to thank you for that. And as always, have a great day.